Greetings to each of you in Jesus' name. Count it a privilege to be uh, with you this morning, Easter Sunday morning. What a blessing it is to worship together uh, here at Myerstown. We had a sunrise service this morning in Shenandoah, so we had uh, participated in that and had a little Sunday school and a brunch, and, and then we came down here, so that's why we were not here for Sunday school. Would love to hear your discussions and what already was shared, so if I uh, overlap and share something again, hopefully you're okay with that. God is good, uh, working in Shenandoah. We are blessed as a church there, and uh, just keep us in prayer as we share the word and reach out to the town and and, uh, build the kingdom of God in in Shenandoah. One uh, need I will share is uh, this coming school year, we're in need of two teachers. Our school is growing. So this last year, this school year, is the first year we had two students in one grade. So we had two first graders. And next year, Lord willing, we could have three or four kindergarten students. And so you can kind of see what is happening. Now, it's, it's a challenge when you have one student in many grades. So it's all the same teaching. So it's a heavy teaching load with, with a small student body. So spread that word around, if you would. Pray for us in, in uh, that way. And maybe there's someone here who would... Uh, Love the opportunity to to teach in a setting like that. We would encourage you to talk to us. Titled the message this morning, If You Believe. If you believe, a big if. We live in times where many are losing hope in life, and there's a lot of sin in the world. There's a lot of alarming things that alarm us, but there's a lot of good things happening as well in the lives of those who believe, those who have connected, those who are part of this story. And for Christians, our hope is built upon the resurrection. It's an anchor that holds us. It's a reference point we go to in our Christian lives that uh, needs to be in place in order for God to work and his power to flow through you. There's There's a a faith that must be there and must be grounded in in the resurrection of the Lord. In our years in in Shenandoah, we're there uh, 12 years, and we live in town. Those of you who've been there know where we live. And I could write a book, I believe. I'm not a writer, but I could share a lot of stories. I could probably share an hour this morning on experiences in our backyard, boundary line disputes. I would love to just show you our backyard and just tell you all the stories that happen from building projects and sensitive, it's a sensitive area. You start to do something, the whole neighborhood is there. And I had to learn that uh, it's very sensitive. One of the things that happened right when we bought our place, 
There was a uh, boundary line disputes, many boundary line disputes. That was just one of the many stories of the backyard. But uh, the realtor shared where the boundary lines are. And after a settlement, I discovered I only have half of what they said I do. So we have a uh, 15 foot wide by about 20 foot. That's our backyard. And I thought we had 30 by 20. And I ended up with smaller. So that was okay. We settled for that. And, and then time went on. And uh, the neighbor that, to our one side claimed that she owned even more yet. And so now I got sliced off half of uh, what I thought I had, and then she thought she owned right up to our house. And, and I said to her, I can't even come into my backyard. She said, well, if I'd be nice, I'd let you walk sideways over my <laughs> side, and then I can get to my side. And so I won't go into a lot of detail on that. Some of you maybe helped with our patio. The youth group was up there. We put a patio in, and fixed up her steps and painted her porch, and you remember that whole story, but there was a boundary line dispute, and uh, I didn't even know if I could set my patio uh, furniture there, because she claimed that was hers, and, and uh, I went to my deed, and I read my deed very carefully, and in the middle, we have a row home, in the middle of our houses, there is in my office, there's a jog in the wall that goes about 16 inches. And now I don't like jogs in the wall, but this one was such a blessing because it was a reference point. I could read my deed from a point on the sidewalk right through the middle of the two houses to a point. And then it goes 16 inches to the, uh, the south and then west another 50 feet. So it was a reference point. Right in the middle of my office, there's a jog in the wall that is a clear reference point that settles all disputes. I don't need to pay. I never needed to pay for a, a, uh, a surveyor to come in to tell me that. It was a point that I could maybe be off a couple inches, but I could go from that point and I could get the next point, and I could get the next point, and the deed just was so clear because I had it right in my office. And, well, I, long story short, that never really was settled uh, completely. I think we both, she wasn't quite sure about my deed, and she had other papers, and anyway, long story. My point with that is that in the resurrection we have a reference point to go to that settles all disputes we have to all come to a faith and believe by faith that Jesus rose from the dead if you're going to have victory in your life if you're going to get to heaven if you're going to see the power of God work in your life every person there's no other way we all must come to this place. It's a reference point, foundational in our Christian life. Paul said in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 that those that do not have this in place, they're, they're miserable, they're yet in their sins, and there's no hope of a resurrection. There's 
There's nothing there outside of a faith if you believe this. That is where Christianity starts for all of us. When we, by faith, believe that Jesus rose from the dead and God accepted the sacrifice for our sins. So if you believe, that is the question this morning. Do you believe? In John 11, Jesus went through uh, Bethany many times and stopped in at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. Bethany is not far from Jerusalem, so Jesus in his travels many times came through Bethany. And I believe he loved, it says that Jesus loved Lazarus. They were good friends. And I can just picture Mary and Martha just cooking up a, a good meal, and especially Martha. And Lazarus and Jesus sitting outside or wherever talking, how was your day today? And what's going on in your life? And just a, a deep level of friendship. And in John 11, it says that Lazarus became sick. We'll have a lot of detail to his sickness. And Jesus, it says that he was, he was glad that Lazarus was sick. So it might be sometimes you're sick and Jesus is glad. I'm not sure, but he was glad. And his disciples got word of it because his friendship was very close. And his disciples got word of it. And that's where Jesus said, I'm glad. And the reason that he was glad, and it says in John eleven fifteen, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go again. So Jesus was away, and he purposefully stayed away for an extra day or two so that Lazarus could die. And the whole story, that God can be glorified through this whole story. He was glad so that we can believe so that they can believe. After a few days, Jesus came to Bethany, and this time it was Martha that went out to meet Jesus first, and Mary stayed in the house, and Martha. Jesus comforted Martha, and Martha said to Jesus, if you would have been here, Lazarus, my brother, would not have died. And then Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection, the general resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, he shall live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? So that's the question I have for, for each one of us together to consider. Do you believe this? If you believe... This can be your story as well. This can be your experience if you believe. Many believe in, in a Jesus without a resurrection. I had some conversations with religious people that uh, didn't believe in a crucifixion or a resurrection, but they believe in Jesus as a prophet. And they believe that the, the Jewish people deceived everyone and, and Allah took uh, Jesus. 
without a crucifixion and without a resurrection. So my conversation, I said, well, this is a different Jesus. And he said, no, this, there is only one Jesus. I said, I know there's only one Jesus, but my Jesus was crucified and your Jesus was not. And so there's many Christs, there's many false Christs and, and people that, that uh, are looking for Jesus to come again, but they never have came to this foundational point in their life where they believe that there was a crucifixion, that there was a burial, and there was a resurrection, and, a, and then an ascension into heaven. Of course, uh, if you read the, the accounts in the gospel, the Jewish people, many still deny the resurrection as well. They would accept uh, the crucifixion, but not the resurrection. So this is the foundational point in our life. It is where we start, and this is the, uh, the reference point that we all must start with, and we must place our faith and confidence and experience out of this. So the first point is, the resurrection is the foundation of our faith, and I want to uh, go to Romans chapter 4. When you think of faith, we're going to look at the faith of Abraham and how Righteousness was imputed into his life because he had a faith, a living faith, and a faith that carried him through. He was made righteous, and righteousness was imputed into his life, and that is our story as well. We have here the story of Abraham, which I love. Verse 18, it says, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe. There you have it again. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Abraham is known as a great model of faith. He is a, a model of New Testament faith. You read the story of Abraham and you stand back in amazement and wonder how he could live out his faith like that and be faithful to the Lord all through those years. It says in verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. So when all odds were against him, against hope, it says that he believed in hope. When all odds were against him and everything seemed impossible, when he was up against, he waited and waited and waited 25 years for the promised son. And many times God would come back to him again and again and again and reassure him of the promise, Sarah will have a son. And Abraham went on again in faith and God came back again and Abraham said, how can I ever have a son? I'm now 100 years old and God said... 
you will have a son. You will be the father of a great nation. I'm going to do something great in your life. Wait on me. And when God brought Abraham to the place where he was totally out of strength and it was impossible for him, he was not able in his own ability. Sarah was past childbearing age and Abraham as well. And God then did the miraculous. And I believe that was the way God wanted it. That was the way that God wanted to show Abraham and Sarah his power. That was the way that, that God chose that uh, it would be that way so that Abraham and Sarah could not boast in themselves at all but give glory to God. The power of God and the strength of God came to them at a hundred years old. That's a faith. Abraham, against hope, believed in hope that he would be the father of a great nation. Being fully persuaded, it says that what he was promised, he was able to perform. And I use that to encourage us all, no matter where we are in our lives, when we face the impossible, God allows us. Sometimes God is glad. When we're going through, he arranges those experiences in our lives where it's simply impossible. And if you ever live through those experiences, it is strengthening your faith to see God come through and God show himself strong and to God to be the one who does the impossible. And it says there that because of Abraham's faith, because he lived out this faith, it was a living faith, it was imputed to him for righteousness. So he became righteous because of his faith. But the point that I want to emphasize for all of us this, this morning is this was not written for him only, that it will be imputed, but it, will be, it is for us as well. Verse 24, it says, But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. So here again, we have righteousness coming to the one who lives out the faith of Abraham. The one who comes back to God and acknowledges God is the only source of strength. God is the only power in the world. God is the only one that can help us in our, strength, in our weaknesses. God is the only answer. And we come back and we go on living that way. It says that this is written for all of us. It will be imputed to us to, for righteousness if we live that way. Let Abraham's example encourage us this morning. And our faith must be anchored in him, God, who raised Jesus from the dead. There again, we have our, our reference point. So do you believe? How can you tell if you believe? This faith is not just a theology. I had the opportunity this week to talk to someone in town, and I, I was sharing to him about the resurrection, and yes, he believes all of this. And then we got into our, our personal lives, and how about cursing and swearing? Well, that one there I'll never be delivered from, and as I talked to him and I shared about the power of God, I kept 
coming back to him time and time again, over and over again. Do you believe this? Do you believe that God can touch your tongue and take away the cursing? And he finally said, yes, I think he can. Do you believe it? Someone was lying to you and telling you never be delivered of that. The God that I serve, the resurrection power, can cleanse your tongue and change your life. This is the faith we're talking about. It's not just a theology, because I believe everyone here this morning would say, yes, there's no doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. We're talking about a faith that is put into action and a faith that connects to God through the thick and the thin, a faith in God that relies on God in the hardest experiences in life. So do you, do you believe? The second point is the resurrection brings power to our lives. This is the one we all need, and I think we need to hear this over and over again. This is not something new, but it is something we need to be reminded of and be assured of and look at our own lives and ask the question, do we believe this? Do we believe the power of God can flow from heaven into our hearts and we can have a, a resurrected heart that is really different and really changed and really making a difference in the world? Do we really believe that that can happen no matter what it is we're struggling with? God can do anything. There's nothing that is impossible with God. So the greatest demonstration of God's power was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I can't think of anything that is a greater demonstration of God's power than bringing life from the dead. And, and that's what it God loves to do. In Romans 8, 11, it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or bring life to your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So the same spirit, the power of the spirit of God that brought Christ from the dead is the same spirit that comes to live and dwell inside of your heart. It is the same spirit. There's not two spirits or many spirits. It's a, the same spirit, and it is the same power. And I want everyone to be encouraged by that this morning. And the condition is this, if you believe. It's not separated from our faith, but we have a faith. That connects. We need to have a faith that connects to this power. So the same spirit that brought Christ from the dead can bring this same power to our lives. I have many people that tell me time and time again that I can't quit. I can't quit whatever it is. And there are some strongholds, there are some 
patterns of sin that can really bind people for long periods of time. And I'm aware of that. I know the devil has power and the devil holds people in bondage and the devil brings strongholds as we yield to sin. The, the sin, the power of sin gets stronger and stronger and binds people. But when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ with a faith, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that, that power is broken and we are no longer needing to live in, under the sin or under the dominion of sin, but we can rise above. And that is an ongoing process where we're living and rising above. We're not underneath sin or underneath the law where we're held captive, but when we experience this same spirit that brought Christ from the dead comes to our bodies and quickens us and brings us life, we're coming up above and we're rising above and we're now able to conquer sin. We need that if you believe. There's times where people have had to just Say it. Go to the word of God and claim the word of God and say it and claim it, believe it, and receive it before they could overcome certain things. I believe there is a power and victory in, in saying it too as well. Just... Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made, being made conformable unto his death. That's Paul sharing his story there. He lived a long time underneath sin. He was religious. He was a Pharisee. He was doing all the right things. He thought he had all the dots checked and everything checked. He was a Pharisee according to the law, blameless. On and all, he went down through the list. He thought he had it all. And then he came and he met Jesus. He, he came to faith and he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He actually heard the voice of the Lord and he came down. Surrendered his life to the Lord and he said, Yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he came to the place where this power came to him. And this is him saying this, I want you all to know him. I want you all to know him personally to experience this. The, the power of his resurrection is the first thing that he mentions. And that's what I would want every one of us as well here to know him and to know the power of the resurrection where you can See this working in your life. You might feel you need more of it. That's okay. Just come to the Lord. Say, I want more of it. I want to continue climbing this ladder and, and gaining victories. But to know what it is to come out from under the grip of sin. It's not like you don't battle it anymore. No, the battle is on all the time. But we come up out of sin and out of the grips of sin and Satan, and we're above it. And then we keep moving on. And that resurrection power, the same spirit that brought Christ from the dead, comes to dwell within 
every believer. And with that, he gives us the power. And we all need that. So what a beautiful thing it is to see a resurrected heart. It is wonderful to, uh, I'm assuming that all of you covered pretty near everything of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, not everything. There's so much. But uh, the story was shared in our Sunday school lesson. There's many parts to that that uh, I'm sure were not covered. But, but I want to, to just uh, encourage you all with the picture of a resurrected heart and a, a new heart and a new life and a resurrected heart that is walking in newness of life. In Romans 6, 4, it says, We are buried with, with him, with Christ, by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So we identify with Christ's death. We identify with being buried with him in baptism. And we identify with him rising up in his resurrection. We identify with uh, the resurrected life and a resurrected heart and a new life. Newness of life. Walking in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. There you have the resurrection power that we all need and hopefully you're experiencing if you believe. It will not come to you outside of your faith, outside of you reaching out and saying, yes, God, I want that for my life. Yes, God, I want more of that in my life. Yes, God, I failed in the past, but I want it. And we keep on reaching out for more of the resurrection power. The resurrection assures us of our resurrection. There's going to be a general resurrection. We, we refer to it many times as the general resurrection. And hopefully no one questions that. I would doubt whether anyone would question a resurrection. Jesus himself talked about it in John 5. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto, the, unto you, the hour is coming. And now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they shall live. Back up, I missed... Verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not... I have the wrong verses. So. Let me just keep reading on. Hath, hath everlasting life and shall come, not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming... And now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, he giveth to the Son to have eternal life, life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There is Jesus himself saying, the time and the hour is coming. 
when all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. There's no one that will escape the general resurrection. Every person will be resurrected in the last hour or the time, I believe, when the Father says to the Son, go bring my children home. It says that the Son, Jesus himself, does not even know the hour, only the Father. But there is a time when God the Father will say, it's, it's time. And that's when the general resurrection will happen. And we, we read of that in the Bible different places where we can be assured of that. If you want to turn uh, to 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 23, I'd like to just read a few verses there. Paul talks about uh, it in 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, 20 to 23, great resurrection chapter, a proof of the resurrection of Christ and, and a resurrection for, for everyone. It says in verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. He was the first fruits or the first one to be resurrected from the dead. For since by man came death, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But everyone in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So there you have Jesus, the firstfruits, the first one to be resurrected from the dead. And then every one of us has an order or a, maybe you could say a number. I believe there's going to be a an order to this. In uh, Matthew 27, I love that picture there where Old Testament saints were resurrected. You want to read that sometime? I, I look at it often. It says that uh, the darkness came over the earth and the rocks split and the veil in the temple was rent and torn from the top to the bottom and graves opened up and the saints of them that slept came up out of the graves walked into the holy city and appeared to many. Now let your imagination run. At the time of Christ's resurrection, it says that Christ was after his resurrection. Graves were opened up. Saints who were sleeping, who had died in faith, were resurrected and walked into the holy city and appeared to many. I can just, I don't know if it was all the Old Testament saints or a few or the first fruits. I, I don't know that. Not a lot of detail is given to that. But I believe that was the first uh, fruits of the resurrection. I can only imagine them running into the city and just praising God and just saying, Glory be to God, I'm alive, I'm here, I was dead, I was in my grave, and I'm alive. And they were appearing to many people how blinded could the Jewish people be? Just imagine, let your imagination run. We don't have a lot of detail what all happened, but it says graves were opened up, saints that slept were resurrected, walked into the holy city and appeared to many. I'm sure they were glorifying God. Well, that was the first uh, fruits of the resurrection. The first, I believe, was... Possibly uh, some of the Old Testament saints or all the Old Testament saints, but it was Old Testament saints. 
And then the one we have to look forward to is the, is the rapture. That, I believe, is the next experience when the resurrection will happen. And I want to just refer to that because that is going to be quite an experience as well. It's going to be uh, different. These resurrected saints are going to meet in the air. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 is where we have the accounts. He starts out in verse 13, I would not have you to be ignorant or untaught. So I believe that's why we need to teach this. I'm surprised at some that I talked about this experience with religious people and some that I was surprised that even questioned the rapture. But Paul is saying, I do not want you to be untaught concerning those that fell asleep or buried and, and in, the, in the grave. There's going to be a resurrection and there's going to be an experience that uh, happens in the future when, when the Lord Jesus comes. It says, concerning those which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as those which have no hope. But if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of God, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I shared this with uh, a religious person, and they listened to that, and so we're going to meet in the clouds. Where are we going to go then? Well, yes, it clearly says that we're not to be ignorant about this, but if we believe that Jesus died, and rose again, we all will rise with him. Those that are asleep in Jesus will arise. There will be a, a resurrection of the saints someday when Jesus comes back. I believe is when. The second return of Christ is when this will happen. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. There's an order there as well. So the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive, which will be the Christians that are living at that time, will be changed in a moment of time. And we'll all meet in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I like the way he ends it, wherefore comfort one another with these words. So he starts out in verse 13, I don't want anyone to be ignorant or untaught. This needs to be taught. This is a good experience. I'd rather just be changed and meet in the air. Forget about death. I don't know how. That's, that's not really going to be fair for all the saints that have that experience That'd be a wonderful experience if you're living in Christ and one day you're changed and in the air you meet the whole family of God. What an experience that'll be. I don't want anyone to be untaught or ignorant about that. That's clearly taught in the scriptures. I don't know how much more any 
we couldn't have it any clearer than that. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. We which are alive and remain are going to be changed in a moment of time, shed our bodies and, and meet the Lord in the air. The Lord Jesus will send a shout and everyone that's in the grave will hear his voice and come out. Comfort one another with these words. This is comforting to each one of us. When you think about that is how things will end. The resurrection of Christ, Jesus assures us of our resurrection. Jesus was the first fruits. Old Testament saints were resurrected in Matthew there at the time of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Graves were opened. The rapture will happen. And then I believe the great honeymoon in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the time with Christ where Jesus himself will sit down and serve the family of God, his bride, will sit, will recline around his table. In Luke chapter 12, it says we're going to recline and Jesus himself will gird himself and serve us. Let that touch your heart. And I want all to be there. Let's be faithful to the Lord and, and live our lives for him. In Revelation, it also says that tribulation saints will be resurrected as well. Won't take time to read that. Great tribulation is spoken of in, in Revelation. A time where God will purge the church. His wrath is, is displayed along with his mercy. God wants us pure and holy, and it says that he's preparing a bride, and he's, he's making us ready. He's sanctifying us with the word of God. I believe this morning, times like this, getting together, there can be a sanctifying work that happens in our hearts when we hear the, the word of God, when we study the word of God. We can, we can just draw closer to God, and God is getting us ready to present to himself a glorious bride without spot or blemish. So this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday morning, God touched my heart already as we just sat outside and just watched the sun came up and we had a time of silence. I don't know that we did that for a long time, but we all, in silence, just watched the sun and God just ministered to our hearts as we watch his power and the beauty of his creation and meditate on the word of God and the story of the resurrection and just let this power flow through you. So I don't know what you're going through in your life. There may be a time when God is working like he said to his disciples, I'm glad that Lazarus is dead so that you can believe. God allows things to come into our lives to strengthen our faith, to draw us closer to, your, to himself. So if you're going through a time like that, just draw near to him and believe. If you feel you need the resurrection power, maybe you never experienced it. Maybe you need more. Maybe you're going through a dry time in your life. Just come back to God and believe. The same spirit that brought Christ from the dead can quicken your mortal bodies and bring life and victory over sin. And as you look forward to the general resurrection, may your hearts be comforted 
in the words of the Lord. He promised it. And he promised he would come again. He promised he would show his love to each of us. He promised that he would reveal himself. And he promised that he's uh, going to prepare a place for us. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's heart, house or many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. He's gone to prepare a place and he's coming again. So let's be faithful to the Lord, live our lives for him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. The, uh, the resurrection of Christ and what it means to our lives. Increase each one of us our faith, increase our faith, draw us closer to yourself, and give us more of a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do we have a song?